You're about to hear my conversation with Drew Riley. He is the founder of Trends.VC. We're going to talk all about building a newsletter-based business. Let's get into it. Hey, before I roll today's episode, here's my real-time update on what I'm working on. I'm recording this update on March 8th, 2024. Well, if you've been following my story heading into this year, then you know I'm in a transition phase. I'm exploring some new directions to take in my business. And this month, I decided to come back to my roots and focus my energy on what I do best, and that's building new products. So I've launched what I'm calling a product studio, and I'm calling it Instrumental Products. It's where I get to partner with fellow founders, creators, and SaaS companies on taking new product ideas from concept to launched. And, you know, since I'm a full-stack designer and developer, my focus now is on continuously building new software products and continuing to grow that muscle. Sometimes I'm building products with clients, sometimes with partners, and building some new products of my own to grow out my portfolio at Instrumental Products. And as always, I love to build in public on my YouTube channel and on Twitter and you know, share the process of taking new product ideas to life. So that's what I'm up to, building products in public. And I'm still running my SaaS product, Clarity Flow, which is doing its thing this year. All right, so that's my update. You can follow along with me on Twitter. I'm at CastJam. I'd love to hear from you if you have any feedback for anything I'm working on, especially this show on the podcast. And with that, let's get into today's show. So I'm about to roll my conversation with Drew Riley, the founder of Trends.VC. It's a fantastic business. He's been running it and building it for several years. It's all built around a newsletter, which then leads into a pro membership and sponsorships and all sorts of other revenue uh, channels. So we get into all the nuts and bolts and the incredible amount of systems that Drew has been able to build to run and grow this business. It's really good chat. Here it is. Here's my conversation with Drew. Enjoy. Drew Riley, great to connect with you again. Great to finally get you on the podcast. We've been trying to do this for, for a while, but yeah, glad we made it happen. Indeed. Thanks for the invite. Excited for this. Yeah. I hope I sound okay. I'm, I'm like in the middle of my office, which is uh, going through a major refresh. And right now I have like no furniture in it except for this one desk. So everything's like super echoey and I got to get it all figured out, but hopefully it'll, it'll happen. Yeah. Yeah. You're coming in clear to me. All right. All right. Cool. So, you know, I've been super impressed with what you've built with, uh, with trends, trends.vc for the last several years. I want to kind of get the story on that. And, you know, one thing that I, I think about when I, when I follow your stuff is like how, how systematic, uh, your businesses are. I think, I think you're probably like that too. I definitely relate to that, but I feel like it really comes through in, in your work and the output, and you can just see it in the, in the weekly reports and everything that, that you do with trends. So I want to kind of understand how this, how this business kind of operates. I think it's super fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a little back. Yeah. Like, how do you describe it today? Like we'll, we'll go back in the story, but like, what, what do you describe as like trends today? Yeah, I would still say Trends is a newsletter with a community component. It started as a newsletter first. 
uh, focused on founders and helping them discover new markets and ideas. So the earliest content type that we had are these reports, which you just talked about. And the format has evolved uh, over time, but the core of it is we try to, you know, find the core problem uh, that a uh, sort of market solver, like what's the core problem that's solved by no code or micro SaaS apps. And we try to do that without making any comparisons to something else, because that's not really first principle thing. Who are the key players in that space? And then we go on to, you know, try to find some opportunities, make some predictions uh, there. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, my understanding is like, yeah. it, it, like, you guys really break down every single like buzzword, if you will, that's probably the wrong term for it, but like any kind of like subcategory or sub sub niche category in the tech world, you have produced a trends report on that thing. Like I, I know you've, you've featured my stuff in like productized services before you, you, you've done like micro SaaS, you've done like, I'm sure you've done a ton on like AI and like, you know, like, and like hundreds of other subtopics that you might point to. And it's like everything that you need to know about if you're sort of exploring this as I'm, I'm curious to know, like, who do you, who are the subscribers or who are the customers of this? Is it people who are like looking for a new, a, a next business idea? Is it investors? Is it some people who are just interested, like probably a mix of everything? What do you yeah, see? Yeah. So maybe the, the audience is split, skewed, maybe 60 to 70% of people that have existing businesses as pro members that are sort of looking at, okay, what does AI generated content mean for us? Or how do I take advantage of this within my current business? And then it's probably skewed the other way, maybe even more so with free subscribers of people looking for their next business idea. Uh, so it, it skews in one direction or another. Uh, and then of course we do have some investors, people that have holding companies or are running a search fund. Uh, but I wouldn't say that the majority of the audience are uh, investors. Got it. Yeah. And I, I wanted to kind of get a breakdown of like your different revenue. I guess that's my next question here is like, so how do you, I, I see the pro membership. Mm -hmm. I see sponsorships on the newsletter. Mm -hmm. are, are there other pieces of the pie, if you will, on revenue? Yeah. Yeah. So number one for us is around subscription revenue from pro members. That would be the main source of revenue, secondary sponsorships. Something that's emerging right now, you have this newsletter co-registration trend where Spark Loop, but you also have uh, Beehive with their boost programs. Uh, that's becoming a more substantial part of revenue as well. Uh, we also have... Oh, so like people... Actually, I just... I've been on your newsletter forever, mm -hmm. but I just went through it as, a, as like a fake subscriber today to experience it again. And I noticed that that popped up. So I signed up and then... And then I saw like the spark loop thing where it recommends like three other newsletters. So you guys actually earn like a commission if, if someone subscribes to those. Yeah. And there are just to over communicate free versions of that. So convert kit before they rolled out their pay program, they had a creator network where it was just this sort of unofficial. I like Brian's stuff, so I'm going to refer him for free. Uh, but we use the spark loop implementation of that. Uh, those are like pay recommendations for us. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then other revenue, um, we've dabbled with affiliate revenue in the past. We don't have anything uh, going right now, but sometimes, uh, let's say we don't have a sponsor for a given week, we'll give that sponsorship slot to an affiliate uh, company, for example, and that sort mm -hmm. of pay for, for, per, pay for performance type revenue there. Uh, and then we also have an ebook, the Essentials ebook, where we take and we re-release it quarterly. 
the most popular or most useful, this is subjective, uh, Trends Pro reports, package that yeah. up into an ebook and sell that as well. Oh, okay. Where do you actually sell the ebook? Is that like uh, through your own site or Amazon mm -hmm. or? It's best.trends.vc. Oh, nice. Oh, very cool. And then like, what does it look like? Do you share like subscriber numbers or any, anything like that publicly or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, it's not completely up to date. Uh, we should make it real time at some point, but we have, I think 63 or 64,000 free subscribers and about 1400 pro members. Nice. Nice. So what does your, um, what does your team look like at this point? Very, very lean. So, uh, since it's so small, we have people playing multiple roles. We have Ilyash who. Uh, runs operations. So any email scheduling, mastermind, rotation, support, things like that he runs. And then we have Emin, who's our editor slash analyst slash marketer. And then me, I still do a little bit of like no code automation on the side, a lot of editing, uh, also marketing things, uh, launching new projects. Uh, we're working on a YouTube channel right now. So yeah, everybody's okay. yeah. playing multiple roles. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did see that you guys recently launched a podcast and, mm -hmm. and YouTube. Is that like one and the same? Yeah. So this is a very, very interesting conversation because something that I just came to terms with is I guess the ideal for us is for us to release the podcast in a way where the audio could serve double duty and become like the script for videos. But it seems, it seems like if you want to like, boost the chances of success for one platform, then you need to think about that platform from first principles, right? So we may give up some upside by trying to over, not over engineer, but make this one piece of content serve multiple roles and do the job to be done for multiple platforms, right? Think about yep. podcasts from first principles, think about YouTube from first principles. So we're still going to try to repurpose that audio, but we have to try, but I'm not that optimistic. You know, that, that's really interesting. I'm, I'm going deep on YouTube right now. I'm, I'm planning on kind of going hard on YouTube in the next couple of weeks here for the next while. And, and I do podcasting too. And, and the way that I think about it is exactly that. Like YouTube is, is really its own thing, you know? And it's like, YouTube is a platform where you, you can get discovered and through their algorithm. And, but every video has to be sort of optimized for that. And, and then I think about the podcast much more like an email list, which is like, that's like a relationship channel. Yep. Like after you find me or discover my stuff or discover, you know, then, then you subscribe and now we go deep long-term, you know? Completely. Absolutely. And I think a good, I guess, story to put a bowl on that is some of the largest and most successful podcasts in the world are like these remote interview shows. And that just does not work on YouTube. I think mm -hmm. I may have found I don't even know if I would call it an exception because it's not a success in terms of YouTube standards, but they have like a hundred or 200,000 subscribers, but the in-person, uh, interview shows on YouTube do amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, what I'm doing with this show, you know, like this will be released as like an open threads podcast episode on the podcast, but I'll probably cut, you know, 10 minute segments. If we talk about one topic. Drew and Brian talk about using YouTube in different ways. Like that, that'll be like a 10 minute segment that I could release on YouTube as, as like its own specific topic, you know? Quick question. Are you using any of these like Opus clips or AI clipping tools? Or are you doing that manually where you take the clips? Pretty minimal. I mean, right now I'm, I'm using Riverside to record this. And then this current run, like this podcast has been on hiatus for a year. So I'm kind of bringing it back and starting the, the editing process all over again. In the past, we, 
you know, my editor has used like Descript to manually cut things up and get them, get them up. I mean, we'll probably do something like that. Just, you know, I, I still think that there is value in a human, like, I don't care so much about like taking out the ums and the spaces and stuff, but somebody deciding like, oh, this minute to that minute is the most interesting piece. Let's cut that. Um, I know that there are, I think even Riverside has a tool now in, in it to like use AI to find clips and cut them out, but haven't really played around with it yet. Hey, real quick. This podcast is sponsored by Instrumental Products. That's my product studio, where I and my small crew, we take new product ideas from concept to launched. I'm a full stack product designer and developer, and I love collaborating with fellow founders, creators, and SaaS companies to bring that spark of energy into new product ideas. Think of instrumental products as your shortcut to shipping that next idea and getting it into the hands of your customers as efficiently as possible. Got something to ship? Let's talk. Visit instrumentalproducts.com to learn more. We'll see. So I want to get back to like the structure of, of trends, right? So one thing I didn't quite realize about the pro membership is it's really, it looks like it's really like a membership community. I thought it was like more like access to exclusive content. I guess part of it is like you get like, the, the full reports or something like that. But like, it looks like there's a whole like interactive community in there. Can you talk about that? Like what, what's the experience for the members? Yeah, that's something that I thought about a lot at first. And there's, it should still be my pinned a tweet on my profile, but just how we think about community design, uh, the importance of things like rituals. So one aspect of that community membership that doesn't apply to content, we have daily standups, we have weekly masterminds. And even that's intentional, right? So uh, you could continue to go up layers of, we're thinking about a quarterly hackathon between members. And this is becoming a bit jumpy where I'm jumping between topics, but I agree with what you said about uh, there still being something to the manual or human element to picking those clips. Something I realized, uh, we recently sent a one question survey out to members and I've been using, since we have like 150 replies back, you can do it manually, but I've been using ChatGPT to sort of get like, you know, some type of like color of the feedback or, you know, give me the most important things back. And it mm -hmm. missed a lot of things. And one of the things that people recognized to go back to community design was quarterly hackathons. And mm -hmm. we also try to like promote a lot of what the members are working on in the newsletter, sort of lending distribution to them. And that could be another idea, right? Oh, there. I, I could see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, this huh. is like first, second, third place. But um, yeah. So that, and then it sort of creates this mini flywheel where we have things like trade finds in the community. So maybe you find a great, found a great Chrome extension or a podcast episode that you enjoy. We'll surface that through the curated newsletter, which is Founder Finds, which was started about a year and a half ago. So mm. we try to build these like mini flywheels wherever we can, where one product reinforces the other product and so on. Yeah. All right. So I'm seeing these like incredibly detailed really, really high quality weekly reports that go out to the trends newsletter. I'm seeing this really high quality community and these, like you, you call them like these flywheels, like, you know, all these different kind of acti community activities that's happening. You're selling sponsorships. That that's a whole operation in, in itself, I'm sure. And now you're getting into like podcast and, and video. 
how is all this stuff coming together and really coming together at such a high level? Like who is doing what, what does this operation look like? And I'm curious, like how much are you involved in, in all this stuff from the, like I, we can dig into each area, but like, let's start with you, like your week to week activity, Monday to Friday, like what are you actually have your hands in, in terms of like what gets produced? So, so I have to sort of take a step back and talk about our process. Almost everything that's operations focused or operations facing, it exists as a workflow in the tool we use called Process Street. You're very, very familiar with like the benefits of this, having built mm -hmm. and run process kit. So uh, that does a lot of the heavy lifting for us in terms of quality control and who owns what and when these things are due. And that kind of gives us predictability. So uh, the biggest workflow that we have is around how reports come together. And there may be like 110 steps in there, but it's very clear, like who does, does what, when things are due. And then we have even redundant steps where you can get into theory, like three round revision systems for content, right? Just in case something was missed the first time, or perhaps you wanted to push back on an editing note that was made in the first round. At some point, I may do like a workshop on just how we think about process or system design, but I'll say I'm involved in that process. I'm involved in the maybe 40 or 50 step process of how founder finds come together. Uh, we have processes around mastermind placement and who will be the host that particular week. Uh, I'm trying to think of a process where I might not be involved in it. Maybe if there's like a support task where we have tier one and tier two support, if something doesn't need to go to tier two, then it just doesn't. So maybe there are like one day out of the week or two days out of the week where something needs to be escalated just because it's a, a novel issue or a new issue. Uh, but I, I yeah. guess what I'm wondering is like, when you say like you're involved, cause like there's gotta be a lot of those steps that involve creativity or like making like sort of strategic decisions or analytical decisions. It, is your team like empowered with like creating stuff or deciding on the, on the content of a newsletter? Or is that still like going to you to like make like the creative direction on, on things? No, when it comes to reports, I will give uh, analysts or analysts options, like two or three options to pick from. And then they pick from like whatever they're most interested in, because I think that will lead to the better quality report if you're genuinely interested in something. But even when it comes to Founder Fonds editorials for the first several weeks, I wrote the editorials out. The way that goes is that our analysts will throw up, like share these links of this is a great podcast episode. This is a cool essay. This is a cool talk from YouTube. And I'll sort of strike out the things that I don't see that are that interesting. And then he'll take that and he'll expound on it. And if you see the sort of editorial that we'll add as sort of context or wrapper to these elements, he'll do that. And the process is so smooth when it comes to reports. And then when it comes to editorials, yeah, we have three rounds of revisions, but we probably only need one at this point. But as we're bringing in more analysts, I'm sure until we sort of sink on taste, we need all three of those rounds. Yeah, it's fascinating. I, it, this seems like one of the hardest businesses to build a really good process and team around, but like, it's clear that you've, you've done it. Like there's some secret sauce happening in there be, between the process design and, and the hiring practices. Um, yeah, yeah, on the really hiring impressive. practices front, it took a long, long time to sort of, and I don't think we've completely nailed it, but it's night and day from what it was before. We lean a lot on test tests because I feel mm. like, and I don't want this to be taken negatively, but there are a lot of people that sort of talk a good game and they can interview very well, 
but when it comes to sort of quality of work, either it's there and it's not consistent or it's just not there in the first place. Yeah. So, uh, I, I've definitely yeah. experienced that in so many different roles. I'm sure most people have where it's like, you can have the great, the, the best feeling about someone during the hiring process, but it, you don't really know until you start working with them. Yeah. So we stress test that a lot where your application is 90%, like a very, you know, short test test. And then we follow that up with a paid test test. And we're really sort of trying to stress test that ability where the application process is harder than the job is itself. But we, we really mm -hmm. want to be careful. One of the, you know, actually getting back to YouTube a little bit, like in a lot of my research and planning on this, it, it seems like topic selection, initial topic selection really is everything. Like you can optimize the, the production process and the, the way that you shoot, the way that you edit. But if, if you are not nailing the right topics that resonate with the market at the right time, nothing else really matters. And, and I'm curious to know, and you guys have been at this for years now with, with putting out these weekly reports. And there's so many, I'm sure you've like sort of gone back and covered different topics multiple times, but like, how do you decide on or like prioritize topics and put them into a calendar and what rises to the top? Like what are sort of like the metrics or the keyword research or audience research that you do to like, to, to nail down, like we should be covering this and that topic sometime in the next month or two. Yeah. So it just comes from feeling, and this is a part that isn't as scientific as, Hey, this person shared this resource in faith finds in the community. So we're going to surface that. This is more of a benefit of being involved in multiple masterminds each week, or uh, just looking at people's standups updates, like what are they exploring? What could they benefit from topic wise? And that often drives which topics I provide to analysts in terms of these would be good to cover just because like boots on the ground, ear to the streets, this is what people are struggling with, or this is where their mind is at. So if we can save them mm. 10 or 15 hours and like just help them quickly download like what's going on in this space, what matters, what doesn't matter, who are the key players, where do we think this is going with evidence-based predictions with like early examples, uh, then I try to do that. We've tried the keyword research approach, but you sort of end up in this space where how do I put this? It just doesn't yield interesting results. Like you have yeah. like huge companies with great SEO HubSpot and so on where they're targeting these keywords, but it's like, maybe that was a good topic like a year and a half ago, but I was going to say, yeah, yeah, like you're, you're literally in the business of predicting trends. So like seeing reports on what, what is surfacing on like keyword research or traffic data that that's gotta be like behind the trend. You're, yeah. you're, you're more like ear to the ground, like. This is what people are actually talking about. And yeah, yeah. makes, makes a ton of sense. I'm trying to think um, about some other things. Uh, and it, and it, again, it makes so much sense to have the pro membership like that. I feel like that's why this model works so well for you guys is that like, you can literally like spin out topics from what people are talking about. And then it feeds that, that like front of house, like the, the top of funnel report exactly. kind of thing. I love and it. It's interesting because there's this conflict between I put on this hat of like, what would sponsors be interested in? Because we do do sponsorship outreach and outbound. And there are certain topics that we can say with a high degree of confidence, we'll be able to find a sponsor for this topic. But looking back, even before we started accepting sponsors and before we started doing outreach, some of our most popular topics would not have gotten a sponsor. Million dollar one person businesses is one. I'm trying to think of another one. But it's like, there's no... 
you know, top of mind mapping to, oh, this would be a great sponsor. or This would be like a great category of sponsors to go after. But mm. people love this topic. So I, I don't want to fall into that because if we had that hat on or we use that model to pick topics before some of our best reports wouldn't have come out. Super interesting. I want to cover like, you know, just marketing. Like what, what does your funnel look like in terms of how are people discovering you? Again, I, I think it's really worth, first of all, you should just get on the list anyway, because it's a really high quality newsletter. But I was really fascinated today with just seeing how, like, how the funnel works on the website from when you put the email in, you get the spark loop suggestions, and then like, you don't even see the pro membership anywhere on the public site until you are an email subscriber. That was interesting. But how do, how are people like actually discovering trends initially? What, you know, where are people finding you? Yeah. So in the past, it's, I'll say the majority of our subscribers have come from product hunt launches, which is good and bad. It's good because it happens to be this sort of tentpole event that we've been good at sort of designing product hunt launches and getting a lot of traction, product of the day, product of the week, product of the month. How do you, bad. Go ahead. what launch, what's like the launch that's repeated? So the first launch was just Trends VC, the newsletter itself. Then we had Trends VC, I think 2.0. I don't remember which order they came in, but this was after the community was added. The first time around, there was no community. Uh, and then we launched Founder Funds as its own product after that oh, okay. content type was released. Uh, and just recently, last week, we launched the podcast itself as a standalone product. The bad thing it, with this is that it's not sort of repeatable, where if you have someone where it's like, okay, our main driver is SEO, like that's a process that you can repeat. And that's where we thrive at. Yeah. Uh, and then product hunt, I don't know if they've changed this, but the last time I checked, you can only do a launch once every six months. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but that's been the biggest source. Uh, second, I would say Twitter. And this goes back to what you said about discovery versus relationship platforms. And that's also why we're very interested in YouTube because one thing I heard about YouTube is it's not only a discovery platform in the way that Twitter is, I suspect because you're adding audio and video as well, that the affinity that those viewers have for your brand is much higher than you would expect from a Twitter, for example. Hmm. I, you know, Twitter is another one that I'm also doing a lot of research on right now because it's, I don't know about you, but Twitter is like my, my one, like go-to place to like mm -hmm. basically like hang out and use a social network. I, I never touch Facebook and I'm sort of getting into threads a little bit, but, and I never touch LinkedIn, but Twitter is sort of like where our people are, you know? And, but I do want to become a little bit more strategic without being, without, I don't know, without having that, that like formulaic kind of thread boy thing going on, you know, I, I can see that, that you put out like, like really like high quality versions of your reports as like Twitter threads, but I'm curious to know, like, how do you think about that? Like balance between using Twitter as a platform to grow your audience versus using Twitter to just connect with, with people personally, like in, in our industry. Yeah. This is a battle that I'm fighting right now where a few weeks ago I took uh, Justin Welsh's is it Twitter OS course. I, I and, just took that myself too. Yeah. 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 And he sort of talks about the, the formulaic approach, which a lot of people criticize, but it's interesting the way reviews can land with different people, because as you talked about, like systems are so fundamental to the way we do things. I'm like, that sounds great. Let's do it. But you're also right in that if you sort of fall into that category, 
there's no to go back to affinity. Like, I don't, I don't feel like I know who Brian is and I want to know who you are in addition to everything that you're doing. So, um, yeah, this, this seems I, very good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. You know, it's so funny. Like I, I took Justin's course and I'm like, so psyched about like all the, the content OS, you know, like it's, it's a whole system that I could, I could deploy next year, you know, but then at, at the same time, it's like, I still go on Twitter to, to just say random stuff or, or re reply back to people. And I guess the way that I'm starting to think about it more though, is that like this podcast and my other one bootstrapped web is, is like the real conversation. Like <laughs> if, if you know me and follow me, then, then you're probably on this feed and my newsletter. And Twitter, it'll probably just be a mix of, of like, quote unquote, real tweets and like pre-written, pre-scheduled content. But I haven't really gotten into that yet, but I, I think I will, w but trying to keep it, like trying to keep the quality level high, like it, I'm not going to just publish garbage, you know, yeah. but I, I feel like that's just sort of like the. At the, at the end of the day, like I, I am running a business and going forward, I'm, I am more interested in growing the audience. And if that's where the people are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it works. Yep. Yep. Well, this is, you know, again, you, you've, you've built a pretty incredible business here. I, I, I'm always fascinated and really impressed with, uh, with the stuff that you build with, with trends. I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep following along. Thanks for, thanks. thanks for doing it. Thanks for checking it out. That does it for today's episode of the Full Stack Founder Podcast. As always, the show notes include links to the YouTube channel for this podcast, where you can catch these full interviews on video, and my YouTube channel. That's where I'm building products in public. See you next week.